want to thank Craig. I believe this was Craig's idea for the round table. So if you don't like it, it's his fault. Um, if you do like it, then we all get credit. We're all on the round table. So that's how this works. Uh, but we're going to be opening up a new passage in the book of Luke tonight. In Luke chapter 12, we're going to be beginning in verse 4 through 7. Uh, verses 4 through 7. Let's go ahead and, and dive into the text, read it, and we're going to have some, some thoughts from it. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Jesus says, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Powerful thoughts from Jesus here. He's telling his uh, followers, the, the crowd that has assembled around him uh, at this particular time in his ministry. I just want to ask up front, after reading it, uh, when we look at the context of this passage, guys, when we look at what is right before it specifically, uh, what Jesus is, is, is going through right before this passage in verses 1 through 3, what does the context of this passage reveal about Christ's faith? About Christ's faith when he says specifically in verse 4, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. How does the context Right before our passage we read, how does it shape our view of Jesus? Better, better than anybody ever to walk this earth, he practiced what he preaches. And if, if I, I mean, if I could extend it even back to the end of chapter 11, you know, he brings the thunder and woes to Pharisees and lawyers starting back in 1137. And then all the way to here, he calls out the Pharisees in verse 1. Uh, and so... Jesus preached, love your enemies, and then on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said that he gave, came to serve, um, as was shared in the Lord's Supper meditation this morning, and to give his life a ransom for many, and he came and he served. He washed his disciples' feet. So uh, for me, here's, he's saying to me, don't fear, fear those who kill, kill the body. Just put it out there, and he does not figuratively, literally, he does that um, and, and says what he thinks, um, what God, his father, Father God has, has told him to say um, courageously to these who will probably, yes, they will unite together and attempt to kill his body not long after this. In fact, you look at verse 54 of the, the last chapter, it seems they're already starting to seek to entrap him. Um, I think um, one of the things that we uh, have to have in mind to go into the today's text um, is that Jesus is warning against uh, hypocrisy. Uh, Twelve verse, uh, chapter twelve, verse one says, "Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy." Then. 
what, what, what aspect of hypocrisy Jesus is uh, talking about here? I mean, from verse 39, I mean, in chapter 11, from verse 39 until uh, 42, I mean, 52, Jesus was giving the hypocritical examples of the Pharisees and scribes. And one of that, uh, one of the uh, hypocritical aspect uh, that Jesus really uh, pointing out here, I think, is their power and authority. And their power, authority, even to kill people. We know the examples in the Bible that they judged people by their law and condemned them and kill them. Sometimes they expel them out of the synagogue. I mean, they expel them out of the fellowship and, and sometimes they kill them. We know Apostle Paul, one time when he was Saul, he watched the clothes when people stoned the deacon Stephen and they condemned. I mean, we know the example, uh, the woman uh, who was caught in adultery, she was about to be stoned to death, but Jesus saved, I mean, delivered her. So we know that um, the Pharisees and scribes had the authority by their law to condemn people and even kill them. So if the religious leaders have that kind of authority, then it is a very scary thing. And so Jesus is talking about fear here. I think this is the context. But the point of, I mean, the aspect of hypocrisy that Jesus is, Jesus is looking at is they, are, they, they claim they are God's people. I mean, they are the rulers, uh, and they have the authority from God, and they are, they are not practicing their authority according to the will of God, but they, their practice of their authority was arbitrary, like a dictatorship, and so it brought out a lot of fear. So that is the hypocrisy that Jesus is talking about, I think. I love that. Uh, as I sat there and thought about this in the sense of like, then you ask the question, how does it shape our understanding of Jesus? Because it does, did you call it the smackdown of the Pharisees, Craig? That was a pretty if good If I didn't, I'm going to take credit for saying it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would say. That, that is, uh, you know, as, as, as we get to that point where it's like, okay, we have the smackdown of the Pharisees in that context, I think Jesus is making a pretty simple statement here. Uh, this idea of saying, okay, don't, don't think about the earthly. Because there's a whole lot of spiritual individuals who are going to sit there and say, hey, there are a lot of things on, on this earth um, that we have to do. And, and what's unfortunate is I feel like maybe we as Christians have become uh, animals in a snare almost, getting caught in this, this concept of, of uh, getting caught in the earthly a lot of times. Like, even the apostles, you think about as they went on, like, when they're in the garden, they have swords. Like, people didn't carry around swords casually. They were ready to go to war. Uh, they were still thinking physical even to that point. And we get to this point where, like, in today, we're sitting here like, hey, prayer requests are a lot physical, which is important, 
but like a lot of things we ask for prayers for are physical and like we want to have the like a, a busy church and a lot of things to do and we want to look good and, and all this stuff once again all things that are are very valuable but i think jesus uh what i understand out of jesus as i read this passage is he, he's almost begging his followers uh, he says i tell you my friends it's like he's talking to those who are his, his closest people and he's saying look i i would I would love for you to understand that the things of this earth don't matter. If, if the body's killed, it's, it's to your glory. Um, it, I, it's kind of a morbid thought, but like, we're literally born to die. We're born to go spend eternity with our God. And uh, it's not morbid at all when you think about it like that. Um, and maybe if I'm uncomfortable with the idea of death, then maybe I, I need to like step back and look at me and say, okay, where am I getting to a point where I am focused on the earthly? You know, how, how can I change my perspective on Jesus, understand him differently, to sit there and say, hey, everything that he's saying is all spiritual, it's all eternal. Um, and so as I, as I read this and kind of understand Jesus coming out of the previous passage, it's definitely a look to the eternal. That's a perfect way to go into our, uh, our next question. When you think about Jesus looking at the people that would very soon kill him, and saying, do not fear those who can kill the body. Ben, I think you're exactly right. Jesus, his only focus was spiritual. But the people he was with, their only focus was earthly. And I, I think, as, as we think about ourselves tonight, if we're going to be honest, a lot of our thought process is earthly. A lot of our pro thought process is is we can't see this far ahead of ourselves because of all the circumstances we're facing in our life and all the trials and, and all of the threats that we face. Fear has been a part of our lives, probably more so in the last three years than ever before. Especially as, as Americans, as Christians, as members of the church, fear has been a prevalent issue that we have had to face over the past few years. I just want to ask you guys a question. I don't know where this is going to go, but what did we learn about ourselves the last few years when it comes to what we have faced, when it comes to fear? What did we learn about ourselves as a brotherhood, as the church, when it, when it came to the pandemic, when it came to racial tensions, when it came to the political landscape that we have faced over the last three years? What do we learn about ourselves and what we have endured as a nation and as a brotherhood when it comes to fear? Uh, let me start. Yeah. What I learned um, in that period, I mean, one of the most important things that I learned in that period is the importance of the leadership. You know, we had fear. I mean, the situation was scary. Uh, we could not meet together. We could not worship as we worshiped. Uh, we couldn't study the Bible as we did. And, and we heard a lot of bad things and scary things on the media. But um, our leaders were not like the Pharisees and scribes. They were not 
condemning us. They were not judging us arbitrarily by their own standards, but they were sticking to the word of God and they kept the principles and foundations and the you know, patterns that are from the word of God. And we could trust them and we could just uh, interest our lives to them, to their decisions, and we just follow them. And so during the pandemic, especially, and, and many you know, political turmoils uh, during those days, we didn't fear. I mean, at least I didn't fear. You know, I was just, yeah, I have brothers and sisters here. I have uh, you know, the leaders here who are responsible for my souls, whatever the situation might be. So even the sufferings, even the hardships, even the, uh, some fears in those, er those times could become, could turn out to be our growth. So we grew, even, those, even in those periods. So I think the leadership, how they lead, you know, how, the, how we follow them, obey them, trust them, determines the uh, outcome uh, even those period of time. I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I struggled as I thought through this because, and it's interesting, uh, you know, not you said the brotherhood and and all across churches in America and the world, people struggled in the last few years of fear. Um, and, and I think that as we look at that, we maybe in the context of this passage maybe saw where our hearts were a little bit. Uh, and like I, as I look back and, and process maybe my mindset through that, it's just like wow. You know, talking to myself, I, I didn't have a lot of faith through those moments. You can sit there and, and, and the fear that, that overcame and, and sitting there saying, well, why would we want this and the chaos that could ensue because of this and all of that. I, I think as I processed thinking through this idea of saying, you know, how do we handle the fear? What do we learn about ourselves? Romans 4 kept coming to my mind. Um, in Romans 4, Paul is, is processing or he's walking through the beautiful faith of Abraham and how neat it is that he looks at Abraham and calls him and says, hey, what you're going to do is you're going to go leave your family, leave your nation, go to an entirely different place, um, and you are going to become a new nation, and God has not given him a child yet. And, and, and I, I love the way Paul writes about this in, in verse 19 through 21 of chapter 4. And I just wanted to read this because in Romans 4, 19 through 21, it says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered this barrenness of Sarah's womb, it's talking about Abraham, then it weakened in faith when he looked at the situation at hand. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And, and I'll tell you, I get nervous 
like I said, looking back and, and at time and, and looking at maybe where we were, I get nervous that, that the brotherhood as a whole, Christians as a whole, probably forgot the promise that Jesus gave to us in Luke 12. Mm. Don't fear earthly death. Don't fear imprisonment. Don't fear what can be done to you. Don't fear the, the political parties. Don't fear who gets elected. Don't fear if you get sick. Don't fear death in general. Don't even fear if, if you have freedom to meet together in a church building to worship because God has a plan that's way bigger than this planet. Uh, maybe going back to the, the first comment I made. Um, and, and I guess like as I look back through that time, I think the church, I, I saw the church all over the world maybe have a lack of confidence in the promise of Jesus Christ. And that's like a really harsh reality that, that maybe all of us are faced with. Uh, I know I certainly was hit in the face with it. Um, and, and we probably had a little bit too much confidence in what a politician or news source was going to say. Uh, and, and I can imagine that Jesus would just look at us and shake his head and say, guys, what are you doing? Like, have you, <laughs> like, do you not remember what I said to you? Mm-hmm. Just don't fear the death. Don't fear the things of this planet. Think eternally. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I str- so I struggled with this question as well. So you mentioned three things in the question. You mentioned COVID, you mentioned racial tensions, you mentioned the political landscape, and arrogant Craig went through there and said, I haven't been afraid of any of those things. Mm. Um, and so I think what the, to me, what it revealed as I, as I searched my heart and thought about this question is, is the lack of compassion and empathy and understanding that we have for other people and their fears. Um, I think that's what it revealed to me. Um, just because 37-year-old Craig isn't struggling with COVID fears that's not this, I mean, what about someone with underlying health condition? What about someone who's older? Um, just because white Craig isn't struggling with racial tensions, uh, there are many others who not only are, are, are fearful of those, but have experienced them. And on and on we could go. Um, and so a big revealer of the, the sin in my heart, the selfishness in my heart. Uh, the, the second, and kind of on that line, I like to talk about a group that we judge a lot, and that's the Israelites. Um, you know, they're on the brink of the promised land, and there's, there's ten that come back with the bad report and two that come with the favorable one. And the people are afraid. And we're like, oh, come on, these guys, what's their problem? Again, lack of understanding and empathy for their situation. One of the things they say, and Gary Thomas, who's a noted uh, marriage family author, a speaker, he brought this out. Numbers 14.3, they say this in Numbers 14.3. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? The, and they continue on. The consequence for them if they fail. Here it is. Our wives and our little one will become a prey. And some translations say they would become slaves, basically. For them, loss and failure meant their family would become slaves. Think about their wife. Think about their women. What would happen to them at the hands of these barbarians? You know, think about their kids. And, and like. Craig has, has never had a decision, at least as far as I know. I've never had one where failure means my family becomes slaves. Mm. And, and so what that actually made me think, though, is that Craig thought, I keep talking in first person, third person, that's very scary. <laughs> I, I guess I need to confront these fears I have. So I, I confronted, am confronting fear in a whole new level now that I'm a parent. And that's, that's what that passage reminded me of. Um, when you see, your, you see your two-year-old daughter hooked up to an IV and you're having to stand in the other room and watch, 
then you're afraid, uh, truly afraid. Um, when, when you're sitting at the courthouse waiting to adopt that two-year-old daughter and afraid that some guy could come in from somewhere and ruin the whole thing, and you're like, please hurry up, please hurry up. And that's just two examples from my life that, man, a parent, <laughs> and I think our parents, our grandparents can agree, that's when you're, you're fearful. And so now come back to your question. This has been the longest time I've ever talked. But coming back to your question, when I think about racial tension, political landscape, and po that, that's, to me, when I think about the future of the country, that's where I get afraid. I think about what are my kids and my grandkids going to have to experience. Okay, so enough of that. You know, when we think about the fear, it's no doubt that we have faced it. I think some of us have faced it. Um, in a way that Christ would be proud of and some of us have faced it in a way that he would not be proud of. And I think you saw that even w with his own followers when they were when they encountered fear when their lives were on the line. We know ultimately after the resurrection of Christ they were willing to face the fear. But we know when it was time for the crucifixion these same people that heard Jesus, do not fear those who were able to kill the body. They were nowhere to be found when it came time for the crucifixion, even having Peter deny Christ. So when it comes to, to what I learned from, from, from myself and from us as a congregation, as a brotherhood uh, worldwide, I think we have to think about what motivates us. Are we operating off of fear? Are we living our lives based off of fear? And I think a lot of people to this day still are. And I think, Craig, I think you bring up a great point. It's, it isn't for us to point fingers and say, look at your lack of faith. I think instead... It's time for us to look at ourselves. It's time for us to examine ourselves and to come away with our own answer on how we dealt with it. Whether we dealt with it in a way that Christ would be happy with or whether we dealt with it in a way he would not be. And why is that the case? That's enough with that question. I feel like that's a question we can continue to ask ourselves as we go through this uh, life uh, it is his walk with Christ. Uh, but the text continues. Uh, another question I want to ask is, when we fear earthly things to the point that we doubt that God is in control, what does this reveal about our faith? Uh, so, um, I had the opportunity to speak about this um, I know, I know our brother Andrew's tackling a, a much-needed class on this topic on Sunday mornings as well. One of the things we've talked about before is that our, our, the need for our faith to be greater than our fear uh, doesn't mean we're not afraid. There, the fear is real, and um, I know we were talking to having some dialogue about this before. We said God's built us with this fear instinct for a good reason, um, but 
so I think it just shows that we have moments where our faith is less than. You can use the, the alligator mouth as opening towards the fear. That can be mathy for you. So our, 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 uh, our fear is greater than our faith in those moments. It would be one of the things that comes to my mind. Guys. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I sit there and I, I think back to, to this whole concept of saying, okay, where can I, how can I pull back and look at this? And I go back to, to what, I hate leaving the passage in Luke 12, but going back to what Paul said and like the confidence uh, in my faith, you know, confidence in the promises God has offered me. Um, and I will tell you that, that for me, like, and, and Craig, I love how you talked about like thinking about your family. And, and how does that impact your faith and the fear that you feel during that? And my mind can't help going back to Abraham, a guy who's like constantly filled with, with faith and, and, uh, and constantly prays for his faith. And when God looks at him and says, hey, go sacrifice your stone on an altar, Abraham's like, sounds good. I'll go do it. You know, like, and th- that is, <laughs> that's a, a wild thought for us as, as humans. Um, and, and really would have been a wild thought for followers of God who would have dealt with God saying, don't you dare go offer your children as sacrifices. But to sit here and, and look at Abraham and, and think back to him um, having the faith that was willing to take on the fear of killing a child and the confidence he had to sit there and be like, God will provide. God will provide the entire time. And you got to think like that was in the back of his mind. Uh, and, and so I wonder sometimes, I don't know, as has been said over and over again, there's no way that like, we can sit up here and have a conversation about anyone's faith. I think that's unrighteous judgment. But to sit there and, and if I self-ask myself a question, if I am fearing things of this world, if I'm fearing death of the body instead of fearing death of spirituality, have I gotten to a point where my faith isn't close to where it needs to be? And, and once again, that's a question that, that only I can ask myself and, and that only individuals in this room can ask themselves. Nobody can tell you about your faith uh, from the outward side of things most of the time. Um, but if I'm not able to find confidence in the promise of Jesus that I get to spend time my entire eternity with God, then maybe my faith just isn't where it needs to be. And that's like a self-reflection thing for me where it's like, okay, there have been definite times uh, we were in Nashville this past weekend, and there were storms. There was a, the storms that were running through the country were slated to, c- to come through Nashville. And uh, we were at my parents' house, and, and, and the entire family were celebrating all my family's birthday. I was sitting there obsessed with the weather, obsessed with watching it, obsessed with the potential of a tornado ripping through the house and killing all of us. And I had to take a step back and be like, we're about to have a conversation about is faith like strong in your life? And, and in that moment, I was like, well, maybe it's not as strong as it should be because maybe I'm afraid of this death. And, and so um, I think that it can reveal something about our faith. And if we let that challenge us consistently, I think that can make a pretty big difference in our life. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. So, you know, sometimes I feel that my faith, maybe I, I, I just honestly think that my faith may be just very weak and um, I mean nothing uh, to compare with the faith of our brothers and sisters who grew up in the church and and who learned the Bible uh, from even from birth 
So sometimes I think about my faith and, and my conclusion is always uh, is that my faith, my faith is fallible, always fallible. I, can, I, I fall in faith. I mean, I can, even at some, just a little bit of difficulty, I mean, I, I experience uh, failure uh, to believe, um, my weaknesses in faith, um, that's me. But maybe I'm a little bit out of the context here, but to me, my faith is strong when I am surrounded by the brothers and sisters whose faith are great. As I look at you, as I talk to you, I constantly, uh, constantly get, you know, meet, <laughs> meet a faith from my brothers and sisters. And it feeds me, it feeds my faith and builds my faith. And, and even when I was about to fall in faith, you know, when I talked to Ben, when I talked to Greg, Kyle, Jay, and other, you know, brothers here, they helped me to get up. And they, they helped me to see the weakness and uh, weak point of my faith and, and helped me to get up get over those weak points. So, you know, we have to be honest. Even, even the strongest faith of us is fallible. Some, you know, uh, some dangers are coming, when the dangers are coming, when we face the uh, giants in our lives, we may fail, but we have to remember, you know, we are not alone. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we need, always we need helper. And the helpers are here. Here. We are all helpers to each other. And, and eventually Jesus is our helper. So I don't think my faith is uh, very strong to overcome the worldly uh, difficulties. But I believe and I'm so proud, of, proud that I have strong brothers and sisters beside me, and I can, I can, I can overcome the difficulties with their help. So fear is is unavoidable in our life, but that doesn't mean we have to let it control our life. That doesn't mean we have to let it take the wheel and steer our lives. And I think you see that from Christ and his example here. I think it's very obvious fear was present in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. But he didn't allow that fear to take the wheel and take over his life and his decisions. So when I look at this text and we read this text and Jesus is saying do not fear uh, the, the physical. He does say that we are to fear something, though. He says we are to fear God. And so we, we, we just spent this time talking about fear being, being a bad thing. It can be a bad thing in our life. 
So if fear is a bad thing, why does Jesus turn around and compel us to fear God? Maybe there is a difference in the types of fears he's talking about. Is what, what is the difference between worldly fear and godly fear? Is Jesus, is he telling us that we should be frightened by God the Father, or is he saying something else? I, um, so I'm, I, I was a teacher for seven years. Um, so this is, this is, these are the lenses with which I, I come to this discussion. And Proverbs 1-7 says that the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that word, that Hebrew word beginning can have a lot of different meanings, but I'm going to run with first as as its meaning. As a teacher, the first day in class was not the day that I got to be buddy-buddy with the kids. You know, the very first day in August or September was not buddy-buddy time. It was Craig laying the smack down. That's, again, third, third person and using that word. Uh, it, was me, it was me saying that, you know, no, you know, these are the rules. You're going to follow them. No joking around. By day 180, we can be more friendly. Um, but fear is that the beginning. Um, and if you lo- notice to me, God starts every significant epic. You can use um, dispensation, if you wish, whatever word, with, with, with a with a big old fear stamp. Sinai, uh, the, the message sent to Achan in the promised land, um, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, so uh, I, I know there, my colleagues here will probably say we'll just have a, a respect and we'll turn that word to, to that meaning. I'll be honest with you, and I read this, what Jesus is saying, and this is kind of a beginning course for these disciples, in, in Matthew's text, it's in the limited commission, so it's their first step out into this thing, um, that, hey, you need to have a fear, a legit fear of the, God, of the God in heaven and what he can do. But again, that's just the first course, I think. Uh, yeah, I, that, that was kind of uh, my thought as well. As we process, like, earthly fear, spiritual fear... There are many in this room who know greater than I what earthly and spiritual fear look like. Uh, I can't help but think about like earthly fear is constant desire to self-preserve. Like this, I, this is very shallow. I've been skiing three times and I have not gone skiing since I was a sophomore in college. And uh, I, can ne- I can never, you know the steep slopes like where you get to the top of it and like you can't see the middle part but you can see like way off in the distance. I don't know if you've ever been skiing like that's, I am terrified. Like, what if I fall and hit a tree and break my neck and die? Uh, you know, like, that's a self-preserving fear. That is good. Like, that is a natural good response. I need to not go down that slope because I've skied three times in my life. Um, but I think, like, there's this, if we're talking about it in terms of what Jesus is saying, like, if there's the fear of, of the killer uh, in the sense of, like, the Pharisees and what he was maybe going at or the one who was going to persecute the body or whatever it is, it's very different than the fear that he's going to bring up, like you were saying, of, of the eternal creator. And, um, and I think like there's a, <laughs> in the context of, of faith, I can just imagine Jesus sitting there and saying, like, understand who you're standing there next to. <laughs> like, like, you're not standing there next to some child. You're not standing there next to a Pharisee. You're not standing there next to... Uh, the, the Roman emperor, like you're sitting next to the creator of the world, 
when your life ends. That's who you've got to fear, and, and for good reason. And I think that, that there, like you said, Craig, there's a, there's a beautiful long-term benefit to fear uh, of the one in charge. And, and that's how I process that, is there's a, a beautiful fear that I get to have of the God who's created me and what he has the power to do. Yeah, and I know Mingu has a thought, but, you know, to me, as a parent, we understand this. We, in our parenting class, we've been talking about it. You start with this fear, and then the, it, eventually it leads to this mutual respect. As they become adults, um, the relationship changes. And I think Sinai, again, I bring up Sinai because it was scary. A whole group of people went one direction, and Moses drew near to God as a friend. Um, he had a more mature relationship with our Lord God, and that's where I think we want to evolve into. I think um, um, because you already said about fear, um, I would like to point out one verse from, I mean, one passage from the Bible, Second Corinthians chapter five. Um, verse 10 and um, 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he, ha what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. So the fear that we have to have is the fear of the judgment. I mean, we, we can hear the final word that go to hell. We fear that. Why? Because we don't want to go to hell. But why more deeply, we, uh, why do we fear that judgment? We can be pleased with the other judgment going to heaven. Wow, that would be great. Like Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, I fought, I fought a good fight of faith. So uh, what is remaining for me is the crown of light, righteousness. Apostle Paul was pleased with even the judgment. We can be like that. But what makes us fear about the judgment is sin. We know um, this morning Kyle talked about conscience and the, our conscience let us know if we are doing right or not according to the word of God. And as we know by conscience that we are not doing the right, we are doing right according to the word of God, we automatically get to have fear of the judgment on the side that we don't want. So fear let us get out of the sin I think uh, that is what Apostle Paul is talking about. Um, you know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So we have the fear of the sin. We have the fear of the, 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 you know, the scary judgment, stern judgment of God. But, like Ben said, if we, if we let the fear control us, we are wrong. But we can, con we can let the other judgment control us, the judgment uh, of God that 
tells us to go into heaven. You are doing great. You are doing right. So uh, I think, you know, fear and, 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 and joy can stand together in our lives, but the fear can push us to the other side, doing right, doing the will of God. So that's what I think uh, Craig pointed out. Fear is the beginning of our you know, knowledge and wisdom. Fear and, and godly fear is, is a reverence. It is an understanding of the severity of the power of God. And I think Jesus is, is pulling that out in this text, is understanding all of these things that you are afraid of in comparison to God is ridiculous. And this goes back to people who operate off of earthly fear. In comparison to what they should be worried about, what should be at the forefront of their mind, what should be their entire focus, not even comparable when you compare the two. The fear that we should have for God, the reverence that we have for God as our judge and as our creator and as our maker, that should be the motivator in our life, not fearing what's going around us in the world. And that was a lesson that these apostles would soon learn in the New Testament epistles. Really quickly, just want to look at verses 6 and 7 and, and close this off with why we should not fear. Why we should always understand God is in control. 6 and 7 says, Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, do, you, do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Guys, when we read verses like that, what comfort do we get about our God? And then secondly, why do we forget sometimes how in control our God really is? Um, I think we don't have to f uh, fear if we do right. If we are living right, you know, according to the word of God. We cannot be perfect, but, you know, we know our hearts. And if we are really trying to do God's will, or if we are selfish and we are uh, seeking our desires. So if we do right, then we don't have to fear because, you know, Jesus has a lot of grace on us and mercy on us. And he will give us mercy, even though we fall short, even though we miss something by mistake. You know, we will not be judged by the mistakes and, you know, show force. But we will be judged by our heart, genuine heart, to love God and to love to do his will. So we don't have to fear. But um, one thing that we have to be aware of, God is that he knows everything. He knows our heart. So we cannot mock him. We cannot deceive him. If we are true to him, we don't have to, we, we don't need to fear him. So uh, that's it. And God knows everything. Even though people may not know 
about that. But God knows. And if God knows us and acknowledges me, acknowledge that I'm right, then he will have my name on the book of life. And I can, I can be confident about that if I'm doing right. I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, as I thought about this, I just think about reading about the sparrows and just the low value that's placed per sparrow. And I said, I, you do the math on that. Uh, oh, I got it. I'm coming. If you ain't got it, I got it. Go I, I haven't done the exact math. How much is it per I'm, sparrow? Oh, you want this, it? Oh, I, well, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay, well, so, so for Matthew, Matthew in Matthew 10, 29 says that two sparrows are worth a penny. Um, and uh, that Roman coinage was the lowest denomination in that culture. So not even, it takes two just to get to the lowest thing. So that's one of the things that stands out to me, that they're pretty worthless. And it's just like, these things don't matter at all. Like, to yeah. the value of, like, if you lose it, who cares? Almost like, it's like, oh, well, we'll, we'll go get another one mm -hmm. type thing. And God says, I don't even forget one of them. Uh -huh. And so to sit there and, and have this mindset that he is going to ever forget about me. And so how can I fear the world? How can I fear the things that I'm being faced with if I have a we go back to the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe that has literally sat there and said, no, I don't forget a worthless bird. Why would I forget, uh, why would I forget you? Um, and, and I just think, I just think it's kind of a, a beautiful thing for us to sit there and say, okay, if, if I can think about him in control of everything, how great he is that he doesn't forget about a worthless bird, uh, Every situation in my life that, that can be fear can be used for his glory. And if I think about life as, hey, well, I'm going through this today, and because of this, it can be for his glory, um, that's something that gives me peace. If everything in my life can be used to glorify God, I can wake up every morning saying, my life could be at its worst point, but how do I get to glorify God today? And that's a beautiful thing. That, that's how I process that and just the amount of peace that gives me. Uh, yeah, I have nothing more to add unless somebody wants to see me afterwards. I got lots of good math stuff to yeah. share about sparrows. There's more. <laughs> Tonight as we look at this passage and, and we go to Luke's urgent care for an urgent message for us to apply to our life, fear is going to be in your life. It's going to arrive. It's going to happen. But we want you to know, and, and Christ would tell you, not to let it take the wheel not to let it take control of your life. Tonight, maybe there's someone who has gotten the fear out of balance. They have been fearing the earthly far more than they've been fearing the spiritual. We don't have an official uh, song of invitation or a come forward as together we stand and sing in, in the round table format, but we want you to know that the round table doesn't take away from the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is, is every day, every hour, every moment. So if there's someone here that needs to talk to someone about your fear that you're carrying every day of your life, first of all, know that you're not alone. First of all, know that every single one of us probably need to have that conversation too. Second of all, know that, that we would love to help you, love to be there for you. Maybe there's someone here tonight who needs to follow the example of our newest sister in Christ, Katrina, and needs to put on Christ in baptism tonight. Don't let it 
Don't let it sit on your heart all night long. Don't let that kind of fear keep you from making the decision you need to make. Take care of it. If we can help you in any way, we would love to after we uh, close in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you again for this, this, this hour of worship and Bible study and this discussion we've had tonight. We pray that it will be fruitful in our hearts, that we will take it with us and apply it in our lives, uh, thinking about the fear that we face and the fear that is in our heart. We pray that we'll never have it out of balance, but that we can look at the example of Jesus as the storms were raging around him. He was sleeping in the boat because he knew that you were in control. Lord, we pray that we can find such peace and such understanding and comfort uh, that surpasses understanding. We know that only comes from you. We thank you so much for this passage about fear. We pray that we will look at ourselves and self-examine instead of looking to self-preserve. Thank you so much for Christ. His name we pray. Amen.